0: fabulous guest speakers. And we're even going to finish with an optional Kayleigh. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. .com slash T-U-R-B-O 24. The number's 2-4. I hope you'll check it out, view all the details there, and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant. 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 Music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today I want to share with you some of the lessons I learned about listening in my online lessons. You can find the article that goes along with this podcast episode at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash one four zero. Hey there, lovely teachers. So it's been almost a year, no, just over a year since the global pandemic really hit most of us and most of us went into some form of lockdown. Over here in Ireland, that was around Paddy's Day of last year, which is why I remember everyone else seems to get lost about the dates, but it was just before Paddy's Day because I remember then going on Facebook Live on Paddy's Day. The lockdown had just been announced and put into effect in Ireland, and I was wearing my green and giving this odd call out that I could help teachers on that Paddy's day to get set up in online lessons if they needed assistance. So it was a weird way to spend it. But it has been just over a year now, about 54 weeks as I count it since we went into lockdown here in Ireland and the timing was pretty similar in most of the US and other parts of the world as well. So I wanted to share with you on this episode some of the things I think I learned from online teaching. I had done online teaching before myself but not to the same extent, obviously not with all of my students online and so I wanted to share some of the lessons I learned through that experience. Some of these may be things you think, oh yeah, I did learn that too, I should make a note of that. Or they may be things that you think, well, obviously, I always knew that. But I hope that they will inspire you to think about what you learned. This is all about taking the positives from the situation and also about not letting things go. It's so easy to move on from something if you are getting to move on at this moment. so easy to move on from something big that happens like that, that we thought would stay with us in such a big way forever, and yet we just move back to the way we were always doing things. And sometimes that's not for the better. Some of the things, yes, we're dying to get them back, or we have been dying to get them back, and that's wonderful, and I'm not negating any of that. But I want us to take a moment to appreciate some of the things we learned from this experience. So my lessons I'm sharing with you today are about listening, because that's where I feel I really learned the most through teaching all of my students online through several lockdowns. The first lesson about listening that I learned right away when I was thrown in one Thursday evening into online teaching full-time was that we don't just listen with our ears. (laughs) We all kind of know this. We know about the importance of body language and all of these gestures and things. Especially as teachers, we are aware of that. But the extent to which we don't listen with just our ears, the extent to which we have so little idea what's going on when we can't see, was really an eye-opener for me, pun intended. I was looking through these screens, looking through these camera views, and yes, sometimes dealing with poor audio, but even when the audio was fine, I was realizing that because I can't move around, because I only have this fixed view, even if it's a decent view, I have less of an idea of what sound is coming out of my students playing, of what sound they're producing. And I'm sure that you will have felt this change too. Many teachers right away were lamenting how they couldn't hear properly. And while that was true physically, we couldn't hear properly in some cases. In many cases, especially if there was poor internet connections in your area, you have my absolute heart about that. That was tough. But some of the difficulty that we had listening was not about the sound quality. It was about not being able to see and not being able to move around, and all of these things that we do so much when we're in person. It is completely different, we know, to watch a live performance than to watch than to just listen to one, right? Even if it's not a recording, if you can imagine you're in a room where you cannot see the stage, but you know it's there, and you can hear everything, and you're in the same acoustic space as a performer, it would not be the same experience as if you could see them. Because we listen with our eyes. And all of these gestures are important and they help us to understand better. Now, understanding this, learning that I needed my eyes to listen and that I was going to have to work really hard to listen in this new environment where I couldn't see as clearly, it helped me to understand the importance there was going to be in this online lesson environment for my students of me describing what I was doing. I realized that if my students, if I was having trouble, first of all, my students were definitely having more trouble than me, even though I could provide them with different angles and different cameras, they have less of a library in their mind about all the different possibilities. And so I knew that for them, it was coming across less clearly. I also knew that they were less able than me, if they're young students, to be able to say, oh, actually, Nicola, I can't see what you're doing there, or did you move this way or that way? They weren't going to have the vocabulary and the ability to voice their frustrations or even understand why they weren't getting something. And so I had to make things as clear as possible for their sake. And so I started being more explicit about describing what I was doing before I did it. Give you an example. I would describe a technique. So I would say, okay, well, at the end of this slur, I need to lift my wrist off so that I pr- produce a tapered sound. Or would use simpler language if it was a younger student. And so I'm going to be lifting my wrist forward and up. So watch me do that. So you're actually describing it before you do it, and being very almost analytical. Bet exactly the movements that you're going to be using and the sound that they're going to be producing, so that when you do it, your student's brain is able to fill in some of the gaps in what they're actually seeing and hearing. And getting better at this skill, of course, helped my teaching in general. It's great to be able to describe things clearly, and I'd like to think that I was pretty good at it before, but I definitely got better at it through this lesson of How much we use our eyes to listen. The second thing I think I learned is that my ears are better than I thought they were. So I talk a lot on the blog and on the podcast about improvisation and playing by ear and lead sheets and everything. And I'm not a hypocrite. I do all of this with my students, okay? That's reality. But it doesn't mean that it's my natural mode, it doesn't mean that it's what I would go to. If I just wanted to play music, I'm a reader. That's what I grew up with. That's what I'm comfortable with. And I will default to analyzing things mathematically and looking at the written music and using my eyes a lot. I do. And so when I was in this online lesson environment, and for example, I didn't have my student's book even because we had trouble getting books. Many people will have too. You just couldn't get the postage. And, you know, we don't, the bookshops weren't open. But even when they are, we don't have, we we only have a couple of bookshops and they don't have everything. So I was stuck without some of my students' books in the initial stages. And so I had to use my ears in a much greater way than I would normally volunteer to do, let's say, because I'm a natural reader. So I had to try. Because there was no other way to help my student. I'm sitting there. I know they're playing something wrong. And so I just had to go for it. I just had to say, isn't that supposed to be an E there? Or I think you might be playing a fifth there instead of a fourth, you know, a harmonic one in the left with other stuff going on in the right. This is not my area, my strength, for sure. And like I say, I'm talking about pieces that I I don't have the notation for. So I didn't trust myself initially. I would say it like that. I think it might be such and such. Could we check that? Could you hold it up to the camera? And then I realized more and more, no, no, you're right. Every time you come up with these answers, your ears are doing well. They're figuring out what should be going on and they are able to fill in these gaps. So just trust them. And so I learned to trust them more and more. And I was so grateful for all the work I've done in the past several years. On my own ear training, you know, I've taken kadai training and sung more in choirs and done more different types of work like that so that I could improve my ears, so that I could stay on top of all of these different skills for my students' sake as much as anything. But I realized, oh, I've come so much further than I I knew. I didn't know how good my ears had gotten by this stage. And I was forced to find out, which was really a confidence boost for me. And it's stuff like that that spurs you on to do more of that kind of work. I'm someone who can push myself to include things because I should. So if I think that it's important that I use self, I just will sing anyway, even if I think my singing's not very good. I will use my ear training and sometimes fall on my face. (laughs) and make mistakes and just laugh along with my students at how, you know, sometimes we all make mistakes. But I have come so much further than I knew. And knowing that pushes me to go even further. And I think this lesson, it's not about my ears being better. That's what I learned. But what I learned from that lesson is how important it is sometimes to feel competent. That gave me a confidence boost in that area. And I know it's going to make me feel even better and make me go further with the ear training work I do with my students and in my own singing and playing and all of the things that I do musically. So the real lesson here is about giving our students opportunities to be within their skill level, to yes, push themselves, but to really use the skills that they already have to experience that feeling of competence which will spur them on and accelerate their progress even further. My second last lesson is about vocabulary. Oh my gosh, how boring of me. But this is what I discovered in online lessons. Vocabulary, it's tempting to think that words and insisting on the correct vocabulary is stuffy and is boring and is sometimes a bit pretentious but it's really important. It really matters. And online lessons revealed this to many of us. One really good example of this is many teachers discovered that their students didn't actually know what a bar was or a measure for US listeners, what a line was and what a clef was maybe, and bar numbers and all these navigation things that if you don't know them, it's really hard to get your student to go to the right place if your student doesn't know them, I mean. We actually created a game based on this particular problem called Rainbow Race to help students navigate because it was just so frustrating. I could see that and I knew it would help teachers to have that kind of a game to work on the terms, bar, measure, line, phrase, all of these things. But this is an example of why words are important. And yes, I believe in this concept of sound before symbol or similar ideas that are out there in many music education philosophies. I'm not saying those aren't true. Just saying we do have to get to the vocabulary. Our students do have to drill those words, those terms for things. And that's why we have so many games about terms, among many other things in the Vibrant Music Teaching Library. It's because if you don't know the correct vocabulary, it's hard not just to articulate, not just to speak about things. It's hard to actually understand them on a deeper level because when we're able to word things correctly, when we're able to describe exactly what we mean and use the right terms for that, it does help to build our understanding because we can have these conversations. So the bars and... Measure numbers and all that. That was a more basic example, but this goes all the way through our studies. When we have the right words, it gives us power to have conversations with ourselves and with other people and leads to better understanding. My last lesson for you, for me, from my online lessons is about the home environment. And this actually really was not so much for my own online lessons, but from other teachers. So many teachers in the beginning, right the way through really, of the lockdowns in various countries, I heard this comment so many times that they got the chance to see inside their student's house, at their home setup, and went, oh my gosh, that's why you have collapsing fingertips. You're playing on a toy. Or, oh, I see why your wrists are always dropping down. At home, you practice sitting on the floor, (laughs) you know? So, all these home setup issues, it's such a basic thing, but it's so easy to not realize what's happening at home. Parents are not always intentionally misleading you when they describe it incorrectly. Sometimes they just can't do so clearly, which is why this didn't happen so much to me because several years ago, I started getting all new parents to photograph their kiddo at home sitting at the piano as part of our onboarding process. And if you're Curious about how that works and things, you can check out the email templates inside the Vibrant Music Teaching Library. That's in the video library because it's a course. So if you go there, you can check out the email templates and you'll see how I ask new parents to come up with this photo of their child sitting at the piano at home. So that wasn't so much one of my lessons, seeing my students at home and realizing what environment they were in or what practice instrument they had. That didn't so much happen to me, but it did happen to many teachers. And the lesson I learned from that was to underscore the value of our parent-teacher relationships. And I truly mean relationships. Not of us just educating them, but of us building full relationships with them and considering them part of our team. So that we can bring them on board and solve problems and be proactive about These kinds of setup things and other things that come up with students so that their child has a chance of succeeding. These are the kinds of things that it's really easy not to realize are an issue until it's too late, until the kiddo is quitting. And they're quitting because they didn't have the right setup in the first place. This is why parent relationships, communicating well with parents, having an onboarding process, a system, for bringing new parents into your studio so that nothing falls through the cracks is so, so important. And again, if you remember, check out those onboarding email templates. It might give you some inspiration for your own, or you can just take them and run with them almost as is, if that's what you'd prefer. So it's time for you to tell me, what did you learn from your online lesson experience? Try to take the positives out of the situation and see how they apply to your lessons going forward, whether you're going to be teaching online or off, in groups or private, or whatever format or situation you're teaching in. Let me know what you learned over in the Facebook group, which is Vibrant Music Studio Teachers, or in the comments section of this article, which is at vibrantmusicteaching.com 140. I can't wait to hear about your lessons as we sit about 54 weeks away from the start of the lockdown here in Ireland, over in the show notes or in the Facebook group, wherever suits you. Let me know what you think and I'll catch you back here, same time, same place, next week. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today.